Welcome to Move Left Idiots, a socialist talk podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Montarulo, uh, joined here by my co-host, Comrade Dracula. Comrade, what's going on? What up, happy Pride, uh, coming at you from Uber Eats. Pride, pride, <laughs> pride. Uh, oh. Comerica Bank Pride. All right. Raytheon Got Pride. The, um, yeah, I mean, just fuck all that corporate pride bullshit. I think it's just, it's disgusting. It's... It's, uh, it's so fucking cynical. Like even they have to know like how fucking cynical and like just uh, gross it is. It's they don't even like really try to do anything with it anymore. It's just you know the ad is just Uber Eats right to Pride, and then like you know <laughs> we're committed to something. You know, it's like whatever comes after that. It's like clearly they're not committed to any of that. They're just it's right. It's a fucking HR, you know, diversity inclusivity fucking jargon i said i don't know if you saw this this was uh someone posted a series of photos uh these people all harassed my family because they were flying gay pride flags in moses lake washington by racing around us and shouting gay slurs right uh then their boat literally blew up and they posted like the video of all the end screenshots just, yeah and like the people in the boat who were just like fuck you faggot or like then had to like swim over to them and like ask them like beg them for help because they were drowning right right <laughs> And of course they did it because oh. they're better people than me. I would have just been like, oh, sorry, motherfucker. I would have been just like, eat my wake, fucker. <laughs> just blasted them. Um, I, would, no, I wouldn't is... have like tried. I would have thrown them a life raft, a life like preserver and be like, all right, well, good luck, guys. I'll uh, maybe I'll call somebody yeah. when we get to yeah. when we get I to would, shore. But my favorite is like the last picture in the series is of like <clears> a, <throat> a beer and a charred beer cozy. <laughs> it's like burnt. <laughs> and they're just holding it. Because like, it floated over to Apparently. <laughs> Man, it has not been a good week for boats. I was uh, this weekend. I was down at the waterfront, and there was like a full size yacht, f- completely upside down, just bobbing up and down by the by the fucking pier, and like life preservers floating in the water. You know, just like this just happened, and like there's people just walking by it, like it's nothing. Like they're just like whatever. This, if there was dead people, I'd do something, but. You know, like there could be, you've seen Jaws, there could be a body in there and no one would even know. Um, right. And there's, there's, you know, Chicago Harbor Police are all over the place and they're not at all, <laughs> they're not they're not there, they're not doing anything. So I posted a picture on, on Twitter of this thing saying, uh, hey, anyone missing a boat? And it got, it got a bunch of shares and everything. And people were commenting, they were like, it's been there for days. <laughs> it's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> Uh, no, like your tax we, dollars at work, we, ladies and gentlemen. Are you so happy? We check to see if maybe there's somebody's down there. There's a body right. floating in the. No, okay, yeah, we're fine. We're fine. <laughs> um, yeah, Chicago. I was I was just curious. Apropos of nothing, I was like, I wonder how many buses Chicago has. You know, it's a big city, two hundred and sixty some miles. And so I looked it up, and you know, Google's good with answering questions directly, so you don't even have to look for a link. Uh, One thousand eight hundred sixty-four buses. The CTA. Chicago Transit Authority has 1,864 buses that operate 129 routes and 1,536 route miles. Uh, Buses make about 19,237 trips a day and serve 10,768 bus stops. And I was like, wow, we have more cops than that. (laughs) Right. We have less bus stops than we have cops in this fucking city. Um, CTA Rail uh, Transit also has... uh, 1,492 real cars operating eight routes and 224 miles of track. So that's fun and interesting. Uh, this last week also was uh, a, a milestone anniversary, May 28, 2020. 
as you all know, <laughs> all you riders out there, was the day that up in, uh, was it Minneapolis? Right. The third precinct fell. Uh, that was that was when things really went fucking wild up there. And, you know, of course, the, everyone says, oh, they burned down the police station. It's a fortress. They didn't burn it down. But it was on fire for a long time. Uh, and I remember watching the Unicorn Right live stream where people went inside the place and ransacked it after the police just left it. Right. And mm. uh, took out like riot shields and shit, and like you know. Oh yeah, they had like it was great. you know uh, utility belts, and like people were setting many, many, many fires. But mm. the fire suppression system, um, it was just sprinklers, uh, it, it kept putting them out. You know, and the thing's mm-hmm. built like a fortress; it's all cement. Uh, so this was in the wake of the George Floyd video, I believe. Right? This is like right when the video came out. Yeah, yeah. I think that was the. It was just a day before that, and it was like a right. couple nights of rioting, and then. You know, basically, the the police had to fall back and leave because they were just they were out of uh, they were out of non lethal ammunition. Like they just they had no other way to defend themselves, and they knew that if they just started shooting people with live ammunition, they'd have a much bigger problem on their hands. So, right. I'm sure. I'm sure a good chunk of them wanted to, and like some cooler heads, like outside of the precinct, were like, "Hey, get oh, out of there! Don't." That's you, that's, know. you know. And we had this, we just a few <clears throat> days later, things really kicked off here in Chicago, and the police. Uh, finally, we're forced to admit later on they were like, "If we we knew if we shot any looters, that we would have lost the city." <laughs> and it's like, so what? You wanted to shoot people right, for right. petty larceny, but you right, just didn't because there'd be a blowback. You wanted to shoot people for stealing fucking diapers or a flat screen TV or a Gucci purse. Like that's that's really what you uh, comes down to is you really like just oh god those rich people's things that are insured are being stolen. I want to just oh, god I want to kill them. I mean, and that's like you look at the IDF and like you just the the difference between like the fascist cops in America and the fascists in the IDF is just a matter of accountability because like there's zero accountability in the country of Israel because most of the country is, you know, super far right wing. Like what was it like 70 something, 76 percent supported the bombing of Gaza or whatever that stat was from the recent. Yeah. Well, that was down from 95% back in 2014. So there's Um, some awareness, but so, so so there's just no accountability whatsoever. Whereas in the U S at least the the cops have to at least like be aware (laughs) that they're only, their only fear is their job might get harder. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. They don't want to have to fucking deal with that. Um, So in in commemorating that that day, May 29th, um, we actually I hadn't heard this when it first came out. I just heard this the other day. But uh, we have an audio clip here. It's the uh, audio of the uh, police comm chatter when they finally realized that they had lost and uh, the third precinct had fallen. 3301, do we have to evacuate right now? We need to go. As of right now, we can leave Southbound. We're going to lose that opportunity in about 30 seconds. Go. You need to evacuate now. Evacuate, evacuate, evacuate. Evacuate now. Evacuate now. Get a citywide tone right now. And our loss of the third precinct. Airing information citywide. The third precinct has been compromised. Time is 2214. 30. <laughs> <laughs> the great thing about that video, too, is there's just like fireworks going off in the foreground. Just, oh, yeah. Like that celebratory was the, fireworks. That was the, um, I don't even know if that was <clears throat> the, a shot done by Unicorn Riot. They had a few different people filming there, but that, right. it's, it's like from up on top of another building. You know, the, their live stream was 
the building burning and fireworks going off from like right at the precinct and there's there's this great wide shot of the fire um from it looks like about 50 or 60 feet up you know so they're clearly on the roof of another building and there's just you know bombs bursting in an air and it's just it's so fucking beautiful i love that the like the commanding officer his voice in there like his his like inflection turns down at the end like like evacuate 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 the third precinct has fallen <laughs> like he just like has to like admit that they've <laughs> lost you know like just well. fucking football dad admitting his son's a failure you know <laughs> <laughs> Well, the billion dollar police force is no ma- match for a bunch of the uh, fucking you know, well, Antifa is, super soldiers. Exactly. So. And this is why they'll say, oh, we need, we can't defund the police. We need more <clears throat> ammunition to deal with rioters. You know, like just, you know, like you, you wouldn't need all that, obviously, if you weren't murdering people willy nilly. Right, right, right. You, you, you think maybe there's a reason people are, you know, burning down your precinct to begin with, and it's not just for, you know, for fucking fun. Um, but speaking of Antifa super soldiers, we, we should briefly talk about the uh, hilarious uh, p- uh, post from, from Memorial Day, uh, posted by a congresswoman, Nancy Mace, uh, from South Carolina, I believe, correct? Uh, yeah, looks like. Yeah, the great state so, of, of <laughs> South Carolina. So uh, she made this post on Twitter with some pictures, and uh, it, it was very reminiscent of some other previous things. But Blacks re- rule! Right, very, very Blacks Rule vibe to it. Uh, So she posted uh, on uh, Memorial Day, uh, In the early morning hours of Memorial Day, my home, where I'm raising my two children, was vandalized with Antifa symbols and profanity. Although my kids and I are thankfully fine, these criminal acts are unacceptable, no matter your politics. I'm just going (laughs) to read through some of the graffiti. Uh, very, very, so, very so cute her house got graffiti. Her house where she's raising her children. Like, where else would you be raising your children, <laughs> right. lady? Like, in case you didn't know where my children live with me at home, it's this <laughs> building right here where there's graffiti. Right. So, so a couple, couple of the. And it, by the way, it's very cute handwriting. Very, very interesting uh, style of writing for these for these antifa terrorists. Uh, fuck you, Nancy. Uh, pass the pro act, which. <laughs> I'm sure Antifa is very like you know. Oh, anarchists, anarchists love passing uh, pro labor legislation uh, through the Democratic Party. That's that's right, our right. That's our chamber right there. Right. Also, uh, no gods, no masters. Uh, a little anarchy symbol, which she I guess thought was an Antifa symbol. Um, which you know, uh, all politicians are bastards, uh-huh. uh, and a couple of more anarchy symbols. Um, yeah, apparently this is this is the the the, the vicious antifa attack uh, on her on her property. Um, so she's got a bunch of uh, apparently samples of her cursive handwriting out there on the internet, and people discover this really quickly that the the way that uh, the anarchists who uh, graffitied her sidewalk <laughs> and the foundation of her house, not the actual painted part, because that would be hard to to remove with a right, uh, right. sandblaster. They they dotted their eyes the same way she does with a little upside down N, right? Which is a very <laughs> odd like I, which I've never seen before, and it probably only occurs in one every yeah. two million people. So this, this real was big coincidence. In her in her the handwriting. I mean, clearly she did this herself. We know right. she did this herself. <laughs> Obviously, um, people also noticed like her A's had like a weird open like a lowercase. It's almost a like, cursive A, even though it's like pseudo print. Yeah, it's a weird. This was baby's first <clears throat> graffiti tagging uh, attempts, and she, <laughs> right. you know, you can't help the way you write unless you're, you know, like a, a trained artist. And she right. probably got drunk and just thought. 
this is how I can get some notoriety. This is how I can get on Fox News. She also, I looked this up, she has a primary challenger right now because nowadays is, the, you know, she just was inaugurated this year. You can't year be psychotic enough. And already has a primary <laughs> challenger because we have two, you know, our, our, our two-year cycles are just nonstop. So she's got a, a challenger. I just want to read a little bit here. Uh, so she's, she's clearly doing this to try to out crazy her primary opponent, right. who uh, is also a Republican. Uh, let me just start here. Uh, a Republican challenger to incumbent Congresswoman Nancy Mace held a mask burning bonfire over the weekend, calling the <laughs> gathering a statement against oppression and tyranny. Quote Wow. This is saying no to tyranny, said Lynn's Piper Loomis. That's L Y N Z. Not Lynn, not Lynn's. Not Liz, but Linz, who kicked off her campaign march against Mace last month. Quote, this is a statement to my opponent who supported the communism, socialism, and Marxism. Uh, not <laughs> not supported communism, socialism, and Marxism, but supported the communism. <laughs> she picked the communism. Uh, she and several of her supporters then proceeded to toss their masks into the flames. Another quote. We're not just burning all masks, Piper Loomis said, referring to her gathering as a part of an ongoing effort by lovers of liberty to rebuke a host of encroachments emanating from the left. She specifically cited a critical race theory which holds that present and future racism against white people is acceptable in light of racism perpetuated against black people of the past. Uh, Piper Loomis, whose first name is pronounced Lindsay, so they, oh, they, they don't tell you that Lord. at first. First you think it's Linz, then it's like, no, it's Lin Z. It, so Lin and then the letter Z, like J-Z. So it's, yeah. Okay. Right. And, and she's 43 years old, so it's not like she was, you know, just popped out of a fucking <laughs> suburb. Millennial baby, right. It, I, I guarantee she changed it herself. Like no one, nobody in South Carolina named their kid Lindsay back in 1977. Uh, anyway, Piper Loomis uh, is a devout supporter of former U.S. President Donald Trump. As my, uh, my news outlet, known in its initial treatment of our candidacy, uh, this is a writer talking first person. I don't need to read all the rest of the shit. Basically, she worked for Elizabeth Dole Foundation, uh, Leaders Public Service. Okay, you get the idea. So right. Nancy Mace sees that she's got somebody who's uh, crazier than her, who's getting media <laughs> attention, and is like, "Oh shit, I better, I better do something to grab a limelight here." Uh, I'll, I'll I'll fucking graffiti tag my house and make make me the the new target of Antifa, or, and uh, Antifa so, the way they an, say it. Yeah, an, Antifa. <laughs> it's pronounced Lindsay <laughs> with with a Z. I, I, but I just what what is her? I, and again, I know this is a fucking crazy person, but what what is her basis for saying that her opponent? Who by all means is is just a regular crazy right wing you know Republican it supports the communism and the socialism. Well, clearly if she's graffiti tagging her house to say all politicians are yeah, she, might, she might be right. You know, she's. Yeah. I, I I mean it's it's just it's hilarious. It's, you know, it, it didn't it, every single headline about it was just just said factually that her house was vandalized. You know, and, you know, it's like, well, I mean, I guess if you want to say, you know, like the the spray paint below the foundation line. Right. <laughs> counts as vandalism right. of a home. 
Um, so you, yeah, you notice just, that sidewalk was pretty cracked up to begin with. She probably just wanted the city to fucking repair it, <laughs> and that was the way to get them. Oh, to do and it. then she had a, like her fucking bicycles just sitting out in the yard, like right in front of the graffiti. And it's like, really? They didn't bother to like at least tip Spray your bike it or over, steal it, or right? Yeah, it's, it's, you know, all politicians are bastards, but don't bump their bike. Don't bump the night bike over. And her fucking bicycle insanely has a shock fork, you know, like a hydraulic fork on the front of it, like you would for a mountain bike. And it had a pretty little flower basket on the front, too. So just like the most insane fucking things you could possibly combine in a bicycle together. Uh, and that's the kind of crazy woman this is who thinks that people won't notice her handwriting is all over her fucking house. Right, right. Hilarious. Um <sighs> I want to play. I want to play a, a, a hilarious clip because we have some pretty heavy shit to talk about the second half of this uh, episode. So I do want to get uh, this other clip out of the way before that because um, I, I, you know, I don't remember if we mentioned it or not last week. But basically, TYT, you know, is completely unwatchable. It has been for a long time um, to the point where nobody fucking watches it anymore. I mean, they used to average like thirty thousand viewers for a live show, and I, and people say they're down now around like three you know, 4,000 max on like a live show. Um, and, uh, so, you know, they do their like little like post game thing after each show, which is just for their members. And that's where they get to cut loose and talk shit about the people that point out how terrible they are. Um, and you know, we, we, when we were talking about, uh, uh, Jank's stupid, uh, like uh, edgelord like uh oh all israel and palestine are just fighting over whose sky god is bet like like you know both sides in the fucking israel palestine conflict uh with it with just this like 2007 level fucking commentary commentary on like religion um he uh he, like aaron mate uh tweeted at him something along the lines of like uh my my god tells me this is the worst tweet uh, of all time or something like that some <laughs> some really funny thing um so he so they just started shit talking him in the uh in their post game and talking about how he's he's like paid by the russians and how uh he's col- comforting himself in his russian blank i mean all this shit because he reports on like legitimate things that they as a quote unquote news you know, a news company, news agency, whatever the fuck they want to call themselves, uh, never report on like about the OPCW totally covering up the fact that the uh, the D- Duma chemical attacks in Syria were staged uh, by the rebels and not by uh, not carried out by Assad. Like we talked about at the time, and like you know, a lot of people in independent media talked about at the time. Um, but but there there was a ton of evidence that he uncovered. Uh, through various whistleblowers and, and leakers uh, of, of the actual cover-up that went on within the walls of the OPCW. It was, wasn't like an isolated thing. Like No. But, like, false flagging your rebel enemies for gassing you as a pretext to, you know, rocket attack them. There's so many factions within some of these countries. That this, this is just like a common thing right. to do is get a bunch of people on camera, you know, <clears throat> pretending as though their eyes are super irritated and they like rush them into a hospital and then rush them out again and you know no, no tests were ever done to see if they actually were exposed to chemical agents it was right. just it was done for the cameras and that's not like some no. huge conspiracy it was just you know Aaron Mata even you know went there and, right. and and interviewed doctors who said like yeah like none of them would stick around to let's see it let, like test them to see if they had actually been exposed to any kind of chemical or nerve agent. Right. It looked the, very staged. Right. Like how hard? That's not some like oh the somebody's trying to frame that you know. 
Well, no, but there were, I mean, there were actual emails leaked from OPCW members where there was actual discussion of, you know, cover-ups and of not, you know, printing certain labs, like things like that. So, I mean, sure, sure. but reg- regardless, I mean, so, you know, that w- that we knew. Well, yeah, I just you mean, know, like, for anyone that thinks, like, staging a chemical attack is some <laughs> No, it's know, right. They do it all thing. the time. You they, just get a, you have to get some peep, you know, pay some people to rub their eyes and go into the hospital and get them on camera and you know flush their eyes out with some solution, and then they go home and, and then, then you se- say that was right. a chemical attack. And then send the send a CNN reporter to go there and sniff a backpack and say, oh yeah, it definitely smells like there's some <laughs> chemical, <laughs> some chemical present, like because that's that's what you would definitely do in the wake of a chemical attack is go and you sniff a backpack. Jimmy Dore did a thing on this a long time ago, and he didn't he didn't know because Jimmy Dore is not a fucking journalist; he's a stoner comedian. So he just played like a hour, like an hour of clips of the actual journalists who had went there, you know, freelance reporters who then interviewed all these doctors, <clears throat> right? Uh, and and eyewitnesses, you know, people who are not particularly political and they were all like yeah we couldn't find any evidence this actually happened (laughs) but of course and and anna hate jimmy Dore uh and hate the idea of investigative journalism even though they fundraise on it right and then just fire all their investigative reporters and keep the money right um but no and look and at the end of the day they the, the reason they hate aaron mate is not because he reported on the truth of what's happening in syria the reason they hate aaron mate is because he reports on the truth of what happened uh, in Russia, with RussiaGate, you know the whole the whole RussiaGate bullshit that they that they built their fucking shitlib uh, audience off of, you know that the actual left audience that they had, you know, in 2015, 2016, fucking went bye bye because they just spent you know two three years straight doing nonstop fucking Russia coverage, red baiting, and after all the Mueller shit turned out to be. A, a wet fucking you know a wet e fart low they they had to figure out uh how to pivot because they looked like idiots uh because they were idiots that's all they fucking you know covered and that's all they talked about um and and he was one of the reporters the whole time talking about what bullshit it was and actually citing you know uh why citing specific evidence as to why all of these hysterical stories that like cnn and on msnbc and all these companies ran with were demonstrably false you know these stories that tyt would pick up and just run um you know like 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 critical thought free just run with them you know about fucking manafort meeting with julian assange at this embassy like three times even though it's like the most surveilled embassy in the world and nobody has any video or you know audio or whatever evidence of him ever even coming within the vicinity, you know, et cetera, et cetera. There's a, there's hundreds of stories like that. Um, so he rightfully would mock them when they would report this shit uncritically. So yeah, they, on their post game, they were like, Oh fuck Aaron Mate, blah, 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 all this shit. Um, and so Roger Waters, who, you know, of course, legendary member of Pink Floyd, um, and, uh, lifelong activist has always been really good, um, on, on, issues uh way beyond like what you can expect from most like rich celebrities to be you know very vocal supporter of palestine um and he was on uh one of katie halper's shows i don't think it's the the rolling stone show i think it's some other show because it's not with matt taibbi but god how many shows does she have i don't know um (laughs) (laughs) not on the show that they stole the logo and the name from us for uh no uh no so she was on he was on with her and uh leslie lee this guy leslie lee and 
<laughs> I guess he was asked about about TYT, and his response is fucking legendary. So I just want to play the audio from yeah, that. Just keep in mind, Roger Waters is seventy seven years old and <laughs> looks like he's fifty five. Like he he's he in great. better. He's in, he like you know talk about a silver <clears> fox. <throat> the guys you know wrote. I would consider probably all the most all the best Pink Floyd's and songs and the most recognizable Pink Floyd songs, but also. You know, when you get to be a rock god and you still look great at 77, you get to say whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> and nobody can interject. Right. Nor sure. nor would they, because everything he says here is true and correct and right. Um, but yeah, let's uh, take a yeah, listen. Let's listen to the audio. Wow. Yeah. What, do you want to comment? Yeah, of course, sure. Oh, yeah. fucking stupid fat prick. And as, just as long as they're throwing the F word around. <laughs> I mean, and that woman, I haven't the faintest idea who she is, but she obviously can't read or write. All you have to do is a little bit of research to understand that all the research that has gone into the OPCW uh, debunk and the huge story that is the OPCW, sorry, um, and the huge story that lies behind that, that has been completely ignored by the mainstream media because it's inconvenient. And when when you actually look at the work that, that Aaron Mate, for a start, but Grey Zone in general do, in trying to bring us, we the people, the truth about what's actually going on in our world, to listen to that garbage and disgusting and foul-mouthed, I have to say, <laughs> that young lady, well, I, I hesitate to call her a young lady because she's not, She's clearly not in the prime of youth, but that's neither here nor there. But the fact is, it, how how dare she pontificate on some tin pot fucking show like the fabulous Young Turks or whatever they call themselves? Well, who the fuck are they? I mean, to to claim that she knows that Bashar Assad made a chemical attack to kill his own children or the children of his people is is beyond condemnable is that a word i think so yes i shouldn't really be expending any breath on it because it's right. so pitiful and pathetic i am not going to waste my borrow yes. on whatever the young fucks are because i'm that was disgusting yeah and i've heard bad things about them for a long time but they purport to be thinking young people who have an alternative yeah. they're not yeah, they that's, are yeah. the status quo bolstering what the great American empire believes, and they and obviously they're great supporters of regime change in Syria. <laughs> Fucking Roger Waters, man. Just, just excellent. Well, and I love that he go, you know, because you know we're taught, oh, you shouldn't fat shame, shouldn't body shame, oh, you shouldn't, uh, you know, talk about a woman's looks. He's not really, he's he's. Going after the thing he knows they're the most insecure about, right, right, right. And there's something to be said for that when you're when you want to really undermine somebody quickly, especially somebody who has a <clears throat> huge audience or at least used to have a huge audience. Um, until they, <laughs> so and, until until Jenk pretty much ruined uh, any credibility the show had. Because right. remember he 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 ran for office for a while, and for those three months the show got way better. And then he came right. back, and it was just like, oh god, you know. 
And to her credit, the show got better because Anna was more in control of it, right? And then and didn't have his just, fucking influence around, right, you know, all right. over the but show. But she just, you know, basically gave it all back to him, right? right? And now they're just they're totally in sync with each other. So, but yeah, like she, they they don't go in depth into stuff. They just don't, right? And it's not because it's it's that she doesn't actually read things. It's that she chooses what to read. And she chooses what not to read. And that's why she's, you know, why he makes the joke that she must not be able to read and write because if they, she did, she would know better right. on this shit. Well, you know, what the problem with them is, is that they tailor their content and they tailor their news reporting, quote unquote, to the audience that they have. And, you know, they made a conscious decision uh, during Trump's presidency to just go full bore with the Russiagate shit, even though it was com- demonstrably false. Um bunch of bullshit you know from the start which we pointed out with almost every major you know russiagate bombshell that came up um they would just run with it like it was gospel fact and that built them a sizable audience during the initial you know couple years of the trump presidency because there was a lot of you know there was a lot of thirst for that um from people you know in on the center left who, you know, I guess didn't get enough of that 24-7 on MSNBC and CNN, but, you know, wanted another, you know, independent source to be covering that sort of stuff. So they went full bore with that. I mean, we talked about all the time how, you know, entire two-hour shows they'd have would do have one segment on the Democrats, and the entire rest of the show would be about Trump, and it was just fucking deranged. It was sad and pathetic. Um, And now that, you know, across the board, now that the boogeyman is gone... And didn't turn out to be this, 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 you know, a fascist that was going to end all elections, uh, and and you know, in, in, <laughs> institute a, like a military coup government. Um, now that he's gone, ratings across the board for all of those cable news companies are in the shitter. I mean, if you look at MSNBC, the only show that still draws on cable news is like Tucker Carlson's show, which is <laughs> right. a fucking you know a dreck of its own, but. <laughs> You'd think Trump would just go on there every night. You know? <laughs> right. Like, why everyone said he was going to start his own TV network? Like, where, where did that go? Um, I just saw this. This is hilarious. Uh, <laughs> this is somebody who probably hates Trump more than uh, anybody, but it says, uh, another Trump failure from a guy named Mike Sington, who I don't know what the fuck he is. After just 29 days, Trump shuts down his, quote, revolutionary social media platform. Uh, it was a blog. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, what, did, yeah. I didn't hear about this. <laughs> and it was it was just called from the desk of Donald J. Trump, not 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 President Trump. Did, right. Just wasn't. Don't you still call yourself president after you're not president? Uh, it was a complete flop with his statements getting nearly zero traction. He continues to slide into irrelevancy. Uh, yeah, but you're still tweeting about him nonstop. So like, you desperately want him back. So oh, they want him back so bad. They'll never admit it. They would. The, I guarantee you he's going to run again, and I guarantee you he's going to win again, especially if he's running against Biden, if Biden decides to fucking cling to a second term. Um, Because the media, at the end of the day, desperately fucking miss him. Their ratings are in the shitter, and all they care about is preserving their jobs and the preservation of their money. And right now, uh, people aren't watching cable news anymore because the liberals have gone to sleep. They don't think it's, you know necessary to watch the news anymore uh, but yeah and you know they're they're just desperate to to get that that fucking those, those ratings back so you know he'll he'll fucking win again i'm sure if he runs but um 
Regardless, let's get into uh, a couple more stories we wanted to hit before we got out of here. Killer drones! To... They're out of control! <laughs> yeah, so what, so I, I, yeah what, what's what's happening with that story? Because you, you were looking uh, into that. It's, it's Black Mirror Season 5. Um, it is Skynet. Uh, a rogue killer drone hunted down a human target without being instructed to, according to new UN report. Uh, a lethal weaponized drone hunted down a human target without being told to for the first time, according to a UN report seen by the New Scientist. The March 2020 incident saw a KRGU-2 quadrocopter autonomously attack a human during a conflict between Libyan government forces and a breakaway military faction led by the Libyan National Army's Khalifa Haftar, the Daily Star reported. The Turkish-built K-A-R-G-U-2, a deadly attack drone designed for <clears throat> asymmetric warfare. Like, just admitting that it's asymmetric. Like, <laughs> right, right. Uh, and anti-terrorist operations targeted one of Haftar's soldiers while he tried to retreat, according to the paper. So, yeah, we, we trained our killer drones to just do exactly what the U.S. military does. Is, oh, you're trying to retreat? Well, now we're going to kill you anyway. We're going to bomb you. What could go wrong? Just just, just give machines total autonomy, not even not even just the... the, the, the base level like you know faux autonomy of having a person you know 15,000 miles away in a in a in a room watching a monitor now there's we're just going to cut out the middleman and completely automate the process so that these drones will just kill indiscriminately uh if if their if their algorithm you know detects terrorist activity i guess i mean i don't know how it can distinguish <clears throat> it, it's just it's it, like it can't i mean it's right. it's got to be kill all humans that's the only city you know, like right or, or you know shoot the brown ones basically it's like what they what they would program these things for i, I just don't understand like who who even would come up with that as a concept like even as monstrous as our drone fucking army is and and our drone warfare is like who thought like Hey, you know what this is? You know what? You know what's going? You know what the the the, fl- the flaw in our drone combat is? Not a, too many, too much human error, too much, too much, too much human involvement. I think we need to make this even less fucking, you know, human involved and even more fucking monstrous. And uh, it, drones, as they are, kill like ninety percent civilians. So, like, what the fuck is this thing gonna do? Well, it just, I mean, you know, gives those drone operators a little little time off, a little break. Like, look, I'll just go kill, uh, you know, you go have a cigarette, kick up your feet, relax. I'm, I'll go do the killing for you. <laughs> We're just going to use it on federal holidays. Like yeah. MLK Day, Memorial Day, you guys like, can what's go to have monitor? a nice barbecue. I'll, ki- I'll get some people killed, I'll kill some bad guys, and then I'll come back to base. And we can call it a fucking day. It's Miller time. Right. <laughs> Be like you never even left. Don't worry about it. Um, yeah, no, I mean, obviously this is monstrous and is a massive human rights violation and is no way legal under international law, and I'm sure it will probably be the norm in 10 years. <laughs> It'll just be all autonomous drones flying over the Middle East, uh, you know, just fucking, uh, well, you know, you know, and weddings and... fucking Netanyahu heard about that shit and he's like, why don't we have those yet? <laughs> right. How did fucking Libya get those before us? Like, right. that is, like, he's slamming his fist down like, I want those killer drones. <laughs> Well, so, you know, what's funny is that, like, he, you know, there, there was news that he actually might be out as prime minister uh, in, in Israel. But, of course, the guy that replacing is replacing him is somehow even more psychotic than him. Um, uh, this guy, Bennett, who who's you know, basically they kind of formed a coalition government to, like, 
boot his party, so it's like the far right party and like the center left part. Like they basically just wanted to kind of shift power, and a lot of people are just uh, are supposing that it's because he's done such a bad job of controlling the narrative around Palestine. Uh, you know, with this this recent uh, incursion, uh, it, basically he was being you know reprimanded for not tamping down you know the fact that there's actually seems to be a tide starting to turn on this whole situation um but yeah the guy who's replacing him is a fucking lunatic uh i actually have a quick clip i want to play i don't know if you saw do you see him on medi hassan's show um Mm, no okay so this is a clip um from medi hassan's show uh, with Naftali Bennett, uh, who is you know going to be, in theory, taking over as the prime minister for Netanyahu. So here's here's him on uh, Medi's show. Occupied territories, which in 2017, by the way. Yeah. But you're okay. not carving out your own country. Uh, you're withdrawing from occupied territories, which everyone in the world, including Israel's own Supreme Court, regards as occupied territory. That's the problem. You can't carve out stuff that's <laughs> not your own. Madi, I, I guess what you need to do is go uh, back and change the Bible. You need to change the narrative <laughs> of the Bible because it's all there. Is, and I assume is Israel a theocracy? all Muslims, uh, thought, Christians, is a and Jews. Is a religious state? I assume. Why are you quoting the Bible to me? I'm quoting the, the Supreme Christians, Court Muslims, of your and Jews. country. Hold on, the Supreme Court of your let country. Let me finish. Let, let me just put the quote yeah, of the Supreme Court to you, and then you respond. You're finding the Judea and Samaria areas are held by the state of Israel in belligerent occupation. That is the view of the Supreme Court of your country. Are you saying the Bible trumps your Supreme Court? Is Israel now a theocracy? Let me finish. Um, Billions of Muslims and Christians believe in the Bible. I assume uh, including yourself, I don't know. If you want to say that our land does not belong to us, I, I suggest you go change the Bible first, come back and then show me a new Bible that says that the land of Israel doesn't belong to Jews. Because the Bible's never been changed over the millennia. Right. No also, one's ever done the way, that. I, you know, and I and I always just assume that this, this, you know, that their claim about this was was based on some fact. Apparently, like the 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 claim in the Bible that 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 Israel cites as as this land being their 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 indigenous like land, basically, basically it was controlled uh, for about a century. I think at some point in like 300 BC, like this is their one claim that like, like at, at for for a hundred year period, you know, thousands of years ago, uh, it was controlled at one point. And by the way, it wasn't like they 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 had conquered it from another group of people. Like it, this land has changed hands more fucking times than you know. I, it, it's such a it's such a bullshit claim to begin with. Like that any you know, but you know, obviously the people like living on it, you know, in modern times. Uh, who are violently displaced have way more of a claim to it than fucking you know settlers from from America from fucking you know Brooklyn and and random spot. It's just preposterous. But yeah, so his his question was a good one. Uh, is is Israel a theocracy? Are you claiming that because the Bible, which you know again not a fucking historical record, you know it's a it's a it's a very fucking specious item to quote as a, as a historical document to begin with. Even just for you know geography's sake, um, that that's your one claim to to this is this is your 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 you know your native land. It's fucking. So I've been watching this series on Netflix because um, um, you know like just there's not we've we've got that to that point that uh, of you know the lull in media 
because of the pandemic. So it's just like scraping the bottom of the barrel as far as uh, content. Yeah. And I'm just watching this show on uh, British Castles, and the guy that hosted is like super douchey, right? But like the people he interviews are generally like historians and. You know, you get a little bit of insight, but also just like anything about British history, and I'm just like, ugh, like I fucking <laughs> right. hate. But he always, he always like refers to it as Britain, you know, like he mm-hmm. calls, it, oh, this is the largest castle in all of Britain. I'm like, just shut up. Uh, but like, constantly, I mean, these these castles were, you know, you think of a castle as you know where the royal people live, and they were almost never lived in by royals because they were usually military barracks. Or where they actually did sieges and fighting, or they were just prisons, right? right? And you know, between the the Scots and the Welsh and you know British proper, they fucking these castles changed hands just like every couple years. If you could hold on to a castle for more than twenty years, you were like the most ruthless. And they also didn't live very long either. You know, a lot of these people were king for like a few months before somebody would kill them. And, you know, or, or they, you know, if they didn't have a, a, a old enough heir, there were people who were who were crowned king when they were nine months old. Right. Right. The king of England, nine months old. Like, he's fucking, how's the crown going to fit on the baby's head? So, of course, then you just have advisors who were basically running the country and everything. And, uh, you know, some were more brutal than others. Some would have all their wives killed. Uh, what was it? King Henry VIII had a prospective fourth wife. He had six wives total. He had a prospective fourth wife that said, I'm a large woman, but with a narrow neck, so no thanks. <laughs> Implying that her neck was so narrow that she would easily be killed off too because they chop people's heads off, right? So yeah, just basically the, the the idea that like this was any one group of people's homeland over another is just, it's, it's such an archaic idea that like, oh, this is, we have to conquer these other people and it's ours and we took it from them they took it from us it's like no no, no. it's it's not like north america where <laughs> it was always one people's land and it was right. stolen by another group um this just came out this week we want to talk about uh this is up in uh, a town called British Columbia, Kamloops, British Columbia right uh this was they had a, a we did this in the u.s same as Canada did, but uh, Canada is, you know, their their mistake was in admitting that it was an atrocity. Uh, they they formed something called the Truth and Reconciliation Commission a few years ago um, to, you know, actually, like, address the genocide they were carrying out against Native Americans. Right. Um, and, well, Native North Americans. Native, right. Native indigenous people. Indigenous people, right. Um, and, of course, they haven't done shit about it, right? But at right. least they, they acknowledged it. Here, we would never do that. Here, it would just be like, oh, we fucking... Put the white guy's face on your mountain for you. It's better now, right? Uh, <laughs> so the remains of 215 children were found at something called a residential school. Now, that sounds like residential. That's, oh, I'm a resident of the, like No, residential school just means boarding school. And boarding school means the windows and doors are boarded up and you can't leave. Right. Right. And Child prison. <laughs> right. And these kids were kidnapped from their parents, from their tribes. They were kidnapped and forced to go to these schools um, so the the indigenous people in the area had known that there were hundreds, if not thousands, of kids buried there. It's believed that over six thousand children were buried at at these residential schools all across Canada, uh, with no record of them dying or no and no record of their graves. And these graves are all unmarked. Now right. they weren't necessarily buried all at the same time, 
but they were kept in conditions where you know like how, how many how many you know you what would you think of you just like went to school and they were like oh hey by the way uh if if you die of dysentery or cholera while you're here we just we're just going to throw you in a hole in the pack right, right. like well, wait why is there so much rampant disease here cuz i was back with my family and everything was fine so the right. these, uh so- uh, Aboriginal Canadians had two kinds of responses to Friday's news of the apparent discovery of the unmarked, undocumented graves of 215 children on the former grounds of the Kaloops Indian Residential School. One was to wonder why the discovery wasn't bigger news. The other was to wonder why it was news at all. Uh, sort of implying that, like, they've been saying this for right, so long. Right, they've known this shit, and, and they've said it, and nobody listened right. to them. Um, so well, they, and, they petitioned yeah, the government yeah. for over two decades to get a underground radar system to find these bodies it took two decades of asking the government to please give them you know the the you know remember the jurassic park when they they fire the little bolt down into the ground to get a radar image right of right what's under there yeah like they that's all they were asking for is technology that's been around since jurassic park 1992 right and the government finally relented um and this was, you know, just to understand what these schools were, it was to erase the culture of, of indigenous people. Um, I have a quote here from Bishop St. Vital Justin Grandin from 1875. The goal of the residential school, uh, we will ins- uh, instill upon them a pronounced distaste for the native life so that they will be humiliated when reminded of their origin. When they graduate from our institutions, the children have lost everything native except their blood. That's disgusting. I mean, and that's what, in in just the, doing the reading about this, that's what these places were. They were basically re-education camps to integrate uh, these indigenous people into capitalism and into uh, Christianity. There's a huge uh, Christian undertone to this entire thing, and yeah. all of these places were you know, staffed by, by bishops and ministers. Uh, Israel who, Catholic schools. Right. Uh, who, and the government just said, you run it, we don't give a shit. We're not going to track right. who's there. You just you find a native kid, cut their hair, put them in Western clothes, and if they speak their native language, beat them in the back of the head. Right. And and, and, and priests, Catholic priests, of course, are, uh, have a super great stellar track record around children, so I'm sure nothing yeah. untoward went on at these schools. But... I, I want to read out this statement, actually. This, this is a statement from the former Truth and Reconciliation Commission Chair, Murray Sinclair. Um, and this is his statement on the discovery of these graves. Um, and, and it's it's really powerful. And and some of the claims within it, um, you know, I, 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 you know, I always knew that these, these schools were bad, but just some of the stuff that was detailed is, like, horrific, and I can't even imagine. Uh, so here here's um, the statement. Uh, I want to take the opportunity to speak to you regarding the situation that has come to the public's eye about the discovery of the uh, bodies at the residential school in Kamloops, British Columbia, Canada. When I was asked to be chair of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, I thought I had a pretty good idea of what to expect. Uh, Discovering what was going on in the schools, I thought, would be accomplished by listening to what the survivors told us uh, and uh, recording their stories. I undertook that part uh, of the work openly and willingly, with what I thought was a good understanding of what they were going to tell us. But the stories from the survivors proved to be horrendous. One of the most common stories that we heard from survivors who talked about the children who died in the schools and whose deaths they witnessed. Just as often we heard about the loneliness and separation from their family, how they lost so much. One aspect of uh, residential schools that really proved to be quite shocking to me personally uh, 
were the stories that uh, we began to gather of the children who died in the schools. Of the children who died, sometimes deliberately, it was at the hands of others who were there and in such large numbers. Uh, survivors talked about children who suddenly went missing. Some talked about children who went missing into mass burial sites. Some survivors talked about infants who were born to young girls at the residential schools, Catholic priests, uh, <laughs> infants who uh, had been... Oh, yeah, actually, he mentions it here. It's infants who had been fathered by priests who were taken away from them and deliberately killed, sometimes thrown into furnaces, we were told. Um, we had no expectation that this would be part of the work we were doing. We were asked uh, by the government to allow us to conduct a fuller inquiry uh, into that part of the work uh, of the TRC to explore that on behalf of the survivors and the Canadian public. We submitted a proposal uh, as it was not within the mandate of the TRC, and the request was denied. So largely we did what we could, but it was n uh, not anywhere near what we needed to investigate. Now we are seeing evidence of the large number of children that died. We know that there are lots of sites similar to Kamloops that are going to come to light in the future. We need to, pre uh, to begin to prepare ourselves for that. These, uh, those, are the uh, those are the survivors, uh, the, those that are survivors, excuse me, and intergenerational survivors need to understand that this information is important for all of Canada to understand the magnitude uh, of the truth of this experience. Um, and there's more about it. That, that pretty much sums it up. But, I mean, just, just even more horrific than you could imagine. I mean, literally, you know, priests burning infants alive to cover up the fact they were raping all these these uh young you know girls and boys i'm sure at the at these fucking schools where they forcibly were re-educating these people who land they just stole from them in the first place i, I mean it's yeah and calling that a school is just that's right, a, that's right. A misnomer. these were concentration Prisons, camps. concentration camps yeah right and in, in, and in the case of you know upwards of six thousand children who just went in and never came out alive these were death camps. Right. Right. And it was over 150,000 kidnapped children who survived these things. And, you know, I mean, the people who presumably they went, went back to their families at some point. Um, in a lot of cases, they probably didn't, though. Right. But, yeah, there was – I just saw a guy post a thing. This, these, See, these were started in, uh, right around the time of uh, Canada's formation as a nation in 1867. They didn't shut these things down until the 1990s 1996 the last one was still operating i mean yeah and there, things, there's, yeah. there's people who you know would run away and like basically lived a life on the road because they knew if they were ever caught they'd be dragged back to one of these schools and those people are still alive today yeah no it sounds like a school it sounds like the school i went to that's that that's 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 normal for school right um no, yeah i mean it's her and by the way you know just uh operated under conservative and liberal uh presidencies in canada uh, fucking justin trudeau's father pierre trudeau was prime minister from uh i think 67 to 79 or something like that you know still ran just as smooth as ever under his watch so you know of course nobody had a problem with it um it, it's just well you know who else didn't have a problem with uh, a legacy of white supremacy was uh, a little girl from the office by the name of Ellie Kemper <laughs> <laughs> I I've never watched the US office I watched the, some of the British office and it was it was pretty good but like I just didn't get into the zeitgeist of that show the American it's version It's funny I mean if you don't work in an like and I didn't really work in an office so it never was like the funniest, like the you know the white people talk about it, like it's the funniest show in the world, <sighs> like it's just you know it, it's fine, it's good. I'm not I don't know who she bad, is, is is 
She's Aaron on the office for people that have seen the office. Well, uh, she's in the news here because uh, fans are demanding answers uh, from the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt star Ellie Kemper. Is that another show she's on? Again, I don't Uh, know. Yeah, that's a Netflix show that Uh, she's a star of. uh, Who participated in a debutante ball founded by an organization that has a deep-rooted history of upholding white supremacy. Uh, seen beaming in recently unearthed newspaper clippings and photos, Kemper was crowned the 105th Queen of Love and Beauty at the 1999 Veiled Prophet Ball in St. <laughs> Louis, Missouri. That's that's profit is in like prophecy, not profit is yeah, yeah. in money. But it's going to be kind of the same thing once we right. get in here. Uh, the then 19-year-old wore a long white gown and elbow-length white satin gloves surrounded by men and children in ceremonial garb. Like, what? <laughs> Right. Kind of ceremonial, like what kind of eyes wide shut here thing are we talking? Right. Uh, the St. Louis Di- Post Dispatch fawned over Kemper's high school academic, philanthropic, and athletic accomplishments, noting her attendance at Princeton University. It also listed her influential family members, pointing out that her father, David Kemper, was the chairman and chief executive at Commerce Bank and Commerce Bank Shares Incorporated. Columnist Jerry Berger took it a step further, gushing that Kemper was, quote, bred up to her pearls in the prophet's traditions (laughs) of good manners, good works, and good stock tips. Oh, my God. End quote. Like, so, the... Okay, so now we're getting into like the eugenics here, of right? Right. What what, what makes a good capitalist? Uh, the event was finally desegregated in 1979. <laughs> 1979. <laughs> we finally got rid of that segregated pageant ball. 1979. That's like, that's like right when Mormonism desegregated too. I think right, <sighs> right in the mid 70s. Um, Due to lingering yeah. negative historical connotations, organizers renamed it to the more democratic-sounding Fair St. Louis in the 1990s, and in the years since, it's further rebranded as more of a Fourth of July celebration, calling itself, quote, America's Birthday Parade. Oh. Uh, but on its website, it notes that, quote, many things have changed since 1878, but the Veiled Profit Organization will always continue its largest gift to the community, a spectacular parade that has become one of St. Louis's most enduring family traditions. So just in case well, you thought that they had changed the name and not the intent, they want you to know that it, it's always going to be a certain kind of family tradition. Um, and one little last bit here. Yeah, yeah. In 1972, activist Gina Scott infamously crashed the ball to unmask the veiled prophet <laughs> as Tom K. Smith, the executive VP of agrochemical and ag- architect- or agricultural biotechnology firm Monsanto. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just that little chestnut. Um, uh. So just and just, I have one little more little blurb uh, about about the Veiled Prophet uh, ball. Which just you know, for people that are like, well, I don't see how there's there, there's any kind of a connection to the Ku Klux Klan or racism. Um, th- and this is from a USA Today article about it. Uh, the Veiled Prophet organization, which originated in the late 1800s uh, as a group of wealthy business owners in St. Louis, Missouri, um, hint, hint, still holds an annual debutante, uh, debutante event called the Veiled Prophet Ball, in which the daughter of one of the group's members is crowned queen by a, quote, Veiled Prophet, a secret member who wears white robes and a white veil covering his face. So, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that imagery is just a coincidence and is not as all at all reminiscent of... You know what the, the other types of robes that they wore when they weren't at these balls. I'm sure that's totally. I, mean, I didn't know that there was such a thing as a KKK princess until this week, <laughs> right? But apparently, the you know the 
And, and Woke look, SJWs want to cancel KKK princesses now. When like, does it ever end? And like to Ellie Kepper's, <laughs> and I'm not defending, but like I'm sure she was a kid. She was just like, hey, come be a prince. Like I, I, I don't know if she necessarily as like a She's dumb 19, fucking. She was 19. How do you not notice that everyone around you is, you know, they're 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 wearing white ceremonial robes <laughs> right. and crowning you the 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 queen of uh, white heritage or fucking family values of monsanto stock tips right. like there's right. so it's it, it's i mean it's very it's a very yeah it's a very fucking weird oh, scene god like. just 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 side note here this is just a crazy tweet i saw by some random guy last night uh there wouldn't be so much talk of socialism and communism and revolution if these idiot capitalists weren't so greedy and short-sighted how easy would it be to just create a good and fair society and still hoard most of the wealth <laughs> <laughs> like what so I replied to the guy, I was like, dude, you've mistaken the bug for the feature. Like, you, right, right. You, you don't understand where that hoarding that money comes from, like, do right. you? I guarantee you that guy's a Yang voter. That 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 just reeks oh, of, of, yeah. of Yang, you know, Yang fucking idiocy. Yang, Elon Musk, you know, um, like philanthropic. As if Bill somehow, Gates. like, the capitalists haven't thought of that before. Like, as if that's not exactly what's been happening for most of fucking, like, that they've they found the, 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 the bare minimum that they have to give to society to not uh, have uprisings where they're, you know, forcibly ripped from their fucking mansions and and slaughtered in the streets. Like they've been trying to find that that threshold, you know, their entire existence in, in this country. Like, right. That's, you right. Know. Well, they had there was, you know, we talked about the castle show. There was, um, what was it? it wasn't the Tower of London, but it was like another one. It was, you know, they started building the, the these fortresses to keep the peasantry out more than other armies. Right. right. Um, and one day, like the the they had uh, imposed a poll tax four times or four times in four years and the peasants were like fuck that right. uh, and they were also tired of fighting the french so they just like literally stormed the castle and killed every politician they could and when they got their hands on the king cut his head off oh, so yeah. you know that that's that's the 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 final solution that the rich are really they're kind of like we we need to know right before that's about to happen so right. we, we know where to take the the boot off the neck and it's it's they and they do these reports all the time. This is I just saw this. This is hilarious. Um, oh gosh, where'd it go? Uh, this is from Gregory Pratt, who is a journalist for the Chicago, Chicago Tribune, uh, reporting that last spring, Mary uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot and other city officials received warnings of looting days before it happened. Uh, and this this uh, she was asked about this today because this is always they always say like, well, we had no idea, we didn't know, we weren't prepared, we didn't have any idea, and they always are warned ahead of time it's you know like nobody could have foreseen the breach of the levees uh, other than every every army corps engineer that every told you that the engineer that was like yeah. hey these things aren't good so gregory pratt follows up here it says mary mayor Lori lightfoot deflected a question about these emails the emails that show that she knew you know was warned about leading ahead of time deflected the question about the emails by seeing the media is wrong to report on hacked emails but in fact, these emails were obtained through public record requests. So it's like <laughs> Lori Lightfoot has right. so many scandals, she can't even keep track of, of which ones were discovered through, uh, you know, hacking versus information requests, FOIA requests. Um, but we, we before we got here, we want to mention the uh, these emails, the oh, Fauci yeah. emails, um, which I don't have a whole lot on, but I just think it's hilarious that... Well, so. And, and and I think I mentioned it briefly a couple of weeks ago, but the yeah. whole you know it, it it's really funny this whole the, like the lab leak thing, 
versus the the zoonautical origin for for covid um everyone has a really uh i think short-sighted opinion on all of these things i think everyone instinctively whether they realize it or not takes a position on this based on their preconceived notions of who is arguing for one side or the other of these things right. and, and i don't i don't right. because right. i don't know enough about it and i think there's too many things that are largely unknowable right um and i well, don't have a vested interest in choosing one or the other because you know both are still highly probable <laughs> right so. and well and I, and I just want to lay out quickly kind of the i think the reasoning people take you know certainly with the lab leak theory at first it was very heavily bandied about by people within trump's you know administration circle whatever you want to call it uh it bandied about by right wingers right and i think the basic uh knee-jerk reaction from the left to discount any kind of potential for the fact that uh that covid was you know a, a human engineered virus that leaked out from a lab uh in wuhan because there is a you know uh wuhan institute of virology where they literally do study back coronaviruses um was the fact that people like tom cotton were pushing this and for obvious xenophobic reasons to be like look china you know deliberately leaked this out to to hurt the u.s economy like some you know asinine shit that that right-wingers believe right now the the thing that's interesting about the lab leak theory is i think that that led to a lot of instinctive uh you know media media liberals to just completely discount and not further investigate the potential that this was of a lab origin um and what you know some a couple of people have you know since looked into it who don't have this this right-wing you know uh, vendetta against china because they you know view them as this communist menace that's going to take over the united states and you know send us to re-education camps um and and there's actually a lot of compelling evidence that it very well could have and might maybe even probably did come from that lab because the fact that you know and uh nathan robinson actually wrote a really good article about this it's really long so you know you have to have some patience with it but there's an article uh that he wrote for current affairs detailing why uh why a lot of people discounted the lab leak theory and why there's actually some evidence that you know it is possible and it and it should be investigated uh where where it did come from but uh the the interesting thing among the many revelations within that is that uh that lab was uh heavily a, a place where the U, the US government uh specifically the NIH National National Institute of Health uh which was chaired by uh, currently I think still is chaired by Anthony Fauci and the uh, NIAID uh, were funding gain-of-function research at this laboratory. And for people that don't know what gain-of-function research is, it's essentially just artificially uh, enhancing <laughs> viruses, basically, to study them and study their, you know, basically the way they work, try to find, um, you know, vaccines, cures, et cetera, et cetera. You're basically just studying them to, to figure out how they work and figure out how to best combat them. <clears throat> Um, right, which is already putting me to sleep. So uh, it's just kind of okay, like you know, the audience needs to. This is important. The like, context this, is important. Yeah, but it's it's just it's like okay. So either it came from people eating bats, or it came from a lab where we're trying to create monster viruses in order to prevent monster viruses. Right, but either no, way, so, both are but plausible. The, but the, the the whole like you said, the knee jerking of like, well, I heard one theory from this person. I hate that person, so I will automatically discount it. Is just dumb. It's intellectually lazy. Right. 
Well, and, 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 and on top of the fact that we were, were funding, and by the way, gain of function research is, um, was, was, there was a moratorium put on it during the Obama administration because so many activists spoke up and were like, hey, it's really fucking dangerous to create these like super bugs uh, just to study them because there's a very high probability of uh, them leaking out into the public. You know, it's very easy. People working in these labs are not working with like the, you know, the greatest of conditions. I mean, even if it's super, you know, uh, secure and super, it's just human error is 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 a factor in all lab work. Um, and the fact that like, uh, you know, that 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 they were conducting this research means that there's a very high probability that some of that uh, that viral, uh, you know, those viral pathogens left with people that were working at that lab. It's very hard to contain. I mean, you work like in a that. pharmacy, so how many times have you taken a, a infected petri dish home in your pocket and not realized it? It's a common mistake, people. Well, not no, that I mean, big a deal. Je- well, think about how how insanely contagious uh, certain strains of COVID are. Like, like just literally, like they've done studies where it lingers in the air for two, three hours after someone has left a room. It just lingers in the air. Like, sure. it, it, and it's just imagine like working in an environment where you're studying uh like coronaviruses of that nature uh how easy it would be for someone if you're not completely wearing a perfectly sealed mask at all but you know it just the way it's been passing around from person to person in the u.s it's very easy for it to have leaked that so the idea and and by the way the the whole zoonautical theory was initially based on the wuhan uh the the wet market where they you know sell all these different uh, what, what Americans consider exotic animals for you know to eat um, basically, but they, people looked into this. They didn't even sell uh, bats from the region where these this you know virus supposedly came from at this wet market. The the bats were like from a thousand miles away. So basically, it, oh, it so they they were imported. Uh, no, 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 but that's they even, don't even more uh, artisanal. Well, no, but they, that, that's what I'm saying. They I get didn't the point. sell that the point. at the, so it, it would have been a, an incredible, you know, and then they had to like figure out like, oh, well, no, it passed from a bat to a penguin to a human, like it, 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 from it a seemed, bat to a penguin. That seems unlikely, but no, a pangolin, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck a pangolin is. I think it's like some kind of a, a pangolin, not a penguin. You know, it's like some kind of a rodent. I don't, I don't know. But w- regardless, so basically. <laughs> It, people people seem to be expanding a lot of energy to to further prove what they want to be the right theory in terms of the zoonautical thing. Where, to me, again, as a dumb guy who doesn't fully understand the science of all this, Occam's Razor says, hey, maybe it came out of that lab where they literally study coronaviruses and try to artificially create bat-to-human transfers in the city where the coronavirus right. initially... But So regardless, it certainly warrants um, investigation. And the idea of like... Oh well, we we have to instinctively on the left be against this because it's it it's it's xenophobic and they're just trying to use it to gin up war with. China. It's like first of all, I want to know the truth. I don't give a fuck what the truth is, who it you know supports. But second of all, if it is true, the U.S. was funding the fucking research there because we weren't able to do it in the United States because you know people were like, hey, don't do that in our you know don't shit where you eat basically. Like it's really fucking dangerous. Let's not start that sort of research on U.S. soil. Um, but they'll let us do whatever we want in China. So let's let's fund a lab there that does this sort of research. Um, so we're certainly as responsible as China is sure. if this did leak out. You know. So like, what was the big revelation with these Fauci emails that we're trying to get to here? Well, there's no. I mean, there's no major revelation. But uh, so his emails were, you know, uh, FOIA. You know, Freedom of Information Act requested. FOIA. Uh, that's some kind of crazy new Russian hacking, right? Right. So um, let's see. I, there's just a couple of choice excerpts, interesting excerpts. Um, 
An April 2020 email from NIH Director Francis Collins to Fauci under the subject line, Conspiracy Gains Momentum. Uh, the email included a link to an article about Brett Baer saying on Fox News that the COVID outbreak started uh, in a Wuhan lab. Fauci's entire response is redacted, uh, which is an interesting thing to redact. Um, email from ex-New York Times reported uh, Donald McNeil to Fauci. A lot of... Uh, okay, never mind. That's, that was just based on his <laughs> his opinion of how Americans were reacting to the pandemic. Um, it, here, Okay, here's a February 21st, 2020 email to Fauci from a wheel. And by the way, it's February before you know, COVID really kicked off in the U.S. It certainly was here, but it wasn't nearly as, you know, we were still fucking going to restaurants and shit in February like nobody knew, you know. Yeah, I um, mean, Tom Hanks was still going to basketball games, right? Right. Uh, he uh, Here's a 2020, uh, February 21st, 2020 email to Fauci from a Wheel Cornell Medical College uh, associate professor of dermatology who wrote, Quote, we think there is a possibility that virus was that the virus was released from a lab in Wuhan, the biotech area of China. Uh, Fauci forwards to a colleague, quote, please handle. Um, it, you know, it's just it, <laughs> the, <laughs> the like, fact that. Right. Uh, shit might hit the fan. And oh, I remember seeing one thing that was um, he was advised that, um, you know, the 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 worst case scenario was that there could be uh, half a million Americans killed. That was the worst case scenario. And his oh, response, he thought that was right. His response was that that was that was just being alarmist and and <laughs> right, uh, un, right. Un, un, uh, unfeasible. Which I think we we passed that point, or we passed half a oh, million we're, a while we're over ago. Si we're over six hundred thousand now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And and it's just it it is it's just that one particular email. Um, about about the Wuhan lab theory where his total response was redacted is just very interesting because these were like I said they were FOIA requested so they did have they they were provided by a government entity um but you know by the office of records so they had time to redact these emails they it wasn't like it was you know stolen off his hard drive and leaked um I think that would have actually been a lot more interesting uh if that had happened but it is just interesting that like what would have to be redacted that's just like that's that's the thing it's like what could he possibly say like because if it's like oh they're like you know fuck brett barry's a fucking idiot i'm sure they wouldn't redact that because there's another email where that's not redacted where he talks about how stupid and selfish americans are compared to the chinese in terms of how they're handling the virus which i actually agreed with him you know i agree with him i mean i'm sure they would overall. say it's some kind of national security risk to put all the information out there and they're, they're of course right the but then what's security. the security right their national security risk would be them saying that, well, we don't want the rest of the world to uh, find out just how unprepared we are. It's like the rest of the world already knows that, shithead. <laughs> that's, like... that's the thing. It's like I can't imagine what would be a national security risk outside of, you know, some sort of embarrassment, to the f embarrassment allusion exactly. to the fact that they knew uh, that they know more about the origins that they're letting on. Uh, so that's 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 right. why I think it's just interesting and needs to be. Um, Number one, the reason that we need to find out if it was of lab origin or zoonotic origins, because if it was of lab origin, uh, number one, fucking, we need to just not do any more gain of function. I mean, it's again, there was a reason it was a moratorium was put on it during the Obama administration. Then it was restarted in 2017 uh, under the Trump administration. It's really fucking dangerous. And like, we shouldn't be doing it like we shouldn't be, you know, again, these people have never read the fucking stand. They've never seen, you know. <laughs> Uh, any any of these sorts of like you know speculative fiction on these sorts of diseases but like it it's it just it, it it seems 
completely asinine to create a bigger problem to try to solve a lesser problem because it just seems like you're going to be then unleashing the bigger problem. There's a very good probability that you're going to be releasing, you know, unleashing that bigger problem on people in your efforts to, you know, to solve it. Uh, and it, it, it just, um, and then, you know, people, and again, I'm not getting into the weeds on like whether or not, you know, I, I don't think it was, I don't think it was, if it was of a lab origin, I don't think it was deliberately released. I think that's, that's, that's conspiracy. Minded. Yeah. I just, you know. I can't, I can't take any of that but, seriously. It's just, but just human error is a very major factor in all laboratory work. And it, it very likely if it was, you know, released was just somebody fucking had it on their jacket or somebody breathed it in or, so, you know, some, some, you know, inconspicuous thing. There was also that intelligence report um, that three people who worked at that institute uh, got went to the hospital with major symptoms that, you know, were very uh, were like identical to covid symptoms in November of of um, 2019. So, like, it, it's just, you know, again, I, I, you know, it could all be a fucking big coincidence to me and again just applying Occam's razor to it I don't see how oh well it went from a bat that's a thousand miles away to a pangolin that was then eaten at a wet market by a human and then that's how it and that somehow found I, a way I to still can't wrap my around, head around the, the bat and the penguin being in the same place that's just like bioregionally not likely but anyway <laughs> pangolin uh, fucking pangolin I don't uh, know what a pangolin is but I well it's a Apparently, it's might as well be a unicorn because we don't okay, know what so the fuck a, it is. Okay, so I just looked it up. It's a scaly anteater. It looks like a fucking. It looks almost like a stegosaurus, but it's like a really small. Huh. It's like a like a like a rodent, but it's got like scaly skin. I it's wonder like what anteater. its Pokemon name is. It does look like a fucking Pokemon. It's a real thing. <laughs> yeah. I can picture um, it in my head, and my head is imagining like the, the Pokemon version of it. Um, right. It's a very trafficked, so, high trafficked animal, but. So, uh, to me, that's that that is like you're trying to strain to find an answer to not find the a much more simple answer. But that, but again, it just it is important because we need to know a if that's the case and b you know why the fuck we were lied to about it and what kind of uh, recompense we're going to be given for the all the shit that we had to go through because of the government's um, irresponsibility and recklessness in I mean, funding this th- research there won't and then be covering any. it up. Of course. <laughs> It'll of be course. unknowable forever. Uh, we, we still don't know what the fuck happened on 9-11. And everyone no, just, I mean, just gave up asking questions about that. They're like, know what it's, happened. Yeah, right. it's too awful to think about, and I'm just going to move on with my life, right? Right. Um, so one last story I wanted to hit before we get out of here is uh, Naomi Osaka uh, quitting the French Open and maybe quitting tennis altogether. Um in, in light of uh, how the media has treated her. Not really the media has treated her. I mean, the media is awful to a lot of women athletes. Um, right. So it's mostly the tennis, like the organizing body, right? That tennis like- is a special thing because you don't, you're not a whole team, right? So right. when you have a whole team, you have the, the most outspoken person or the <clears throat> captain of the team or the quarterback usually is the one who's speaking on behalf of the team. Not every person on the team whether they're obligated to or not, is going to be doing the, you know, the, the, the press gaggle. Right. Right. And when you're tennis, playing tennis, like, it's just you up there. There's nobody else. Right. right. And just the idea that you have a press conference, like, the instant you walk off the, the court, you know, whether you won or lost, you're going to be pretty emotional, and you might not feel like talking to, to a room full of just inanely stupid reporters from all over the world asking questions about your skirt. Right. You know, or you being a sex 
object now that you've you know <laughs> posed in in L magazine or some just fucking non stupid sexist nonsense. And you know Naomi Osaka famously beat Serena Williams and was booed by the audience and was so embarrassed she like literally pulled her hat down to hide her face. Like so she's like clearly not comfortable on the world stage uh, despite being the number two ranked player in the world right now in women's status. So she just said, I'm not going to do the press conference, knowing that she'd get fined $15,000. Um, it's fucking ridiculous to begin with, but right. Right. I mean, it's not like that's a lot of money for her when you're, you know, ranked that high. Um, right, but... But just, you know, it, it, it's so just dumb and archaic. Like, why... You could just send emails if you have press questions, right? But they so, want to get the star up there on stage and pepper them with questions to hopefully get a rise out of him or her. And also, they have all the corporate logos in the background, so they get that out of it, too. I, but real quick, I just want to say, just from my sports fan perspective, not a single interesting thing has ever been asked or answered at a fucking sports press conference. It is the most inane fucking stupid, oh, well, you know, we just really went out there and, you know, gave it 110%, and, you know, uh, the other guys are better. Like, that, right. every, that's every fucking press conference. <laughs> oh, it's so man. pointless. It's just so that those reporters have something to write to hand into the papers or into their websites right. the next day. because they can't come up with anything original because there's not that much to fucking say about sports. Right. Like, it, it happened. It's you like, tell well, we ha tried to win, and they tried to win, and we lost, and they didn't lo lose. <laughs> right. Like, what? so what was your thinking out there when you were in the fourth set? It's like, well, I was tired, and I wanted – to I really hit, wanted hit to win. The, hit, hit the win. I wanted to win, so I'd go home because I was tired. <laughs> and uh, that's about it. Can we wrap this up? So right. yeah, she just said, "I don't want to do it." And the you know whatever, whatever the the the, uh, the the like there was a rare joint statement put out by like the <clears throat> several of the big Grand Slam uh, tennis pro tennis things. You know, there's like the French Open, Australian Open, Wimbledon, U.S. Open, or the big ones. Um, and there's a lot of money involved. There's a lot of production right. involved, a lot, of, a lot of corporate sponsors involved. Um, so, like, they want their stars out there to, you know, be the face of their products and to make money. So for her to say, I don't want to do it, they're like, well, we might just sanction you permanently out of having a career if you don't, you know, go be our, our song and dance monkey. Right, right? go dance for us. Right. And she put out a statement saying like i just think the whole culture of this is wrong and i've had anxiety for the last two years i'm not a good public speaker i don't like doing it there's other ways we can still accommodate the media without having this huge spectacle and of course white men all over the world lost their fucking minds um piers morgan was outraged obviously <laughs> Uh, Michael Tracy, um, we always love hearing from him, uh, was outraged. He was responding to a, a Los Angeles Times column here titled, uh, Naomi Osaka needs empathy and help, not condemnation for showing strength. And Tracy says, she's n ranked number two in the women's tennis in the world, and her lifetime winnings are $19 million age 23. But she desperately needs our empathy and help. Okay. I'm like, glad he recovered from the vicious beating that Maxine Waters gave him. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, in order to give that... Somebody else in the replies found a tweet of him saying, uh, referring to two uh, black men that are in sports, talking about their depression and how brave they are, <clears throat> and they were like, "Yeah, clear, clear, clearly Michael Tracy has a problem with women. That's his problem, right?" <laughs> right. And you know, and, and again, it's it's just like very selective empathy for certain rich people, certain rich athletes, and not others. 
Right. Um, and we see the same thing with Meghan Markle. It's the same, the same tone and the same fucking swamp creatures that come out to, you know, the Piers Morgans of the world to criticize, uh, you know, women of color when they come forward with things like this, talking about their mental health and talking about, you know, the shit that they go through. Um, people, you know, other like like white men in power come forward to minimize them and you know use their voices at, you know as part of the fucking you know the establishment apparatus to to diminish those those things when really what like naomi osaka is saying is is fucking true like this is really stupid like why do i have to you know go out there after you know it, you know spilling her guts out on the court to fucking answer inane questions by a bunch of lecherous reporters uh who have nothing you know of interest to ask or, right it's not like you're having a conversation. They're just asking you stupid questions. You have to try to get through it. It's not like right. it's not an enjoyable experience. Like why would? And know? then and then of course everyone says, um, you know, everyone who clearly will stand for all other kinds of rich people right. uh, will say, well, it's part of her contract. She has to. She has to do it. Like that. That you know, you, you've never signed a contract that you had a problem with at some with point. elements like, of right don't you have a don't you have a contract with your bank that's enriching them to pay for your mortgage right don't you wish that uh, you had a little bit more say in that so um now and the tennis i mean tennis players have a have a union they have a, a players association that's their union but right. apparently this is not a thing that's negotiable or if they have tried to negotiate it um you know the 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 uh, I don't even know what to fucking call them. What do you what, what do you call it? It's not the, not the teams, but like what do you call the owners of the uh, Grand the Slam tournaments? Right. Like I don't know, just the boss. Like yeah, just the people that own those 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 organizations. Those, uh, the organizations yeah. that run those events will right. They have ultimate say over those things. They'll say all right, well we just won't you know <laughs> you won't participate <laughs> yeah. in the next. We'll, one. we'll wait for the next nineteen uh, year old prodigy who comes along that doesn't have a problem playing ball with us. Right. Um. So it's yeah, really I mean gross. we always we always. Uh, you know, appreciate when somebody's outspoken on social justice, which she actually has been very much so. Um, and she, you know, deserves empathy regardless. Right. You know, and she hasn't, she didn't make her money from a, a, an emerald mine in South Africa. She made her money by being the second best in the world, right? right. And, and winning those games and putting in the work for that. So, uh, so yeah, she, she, gets, she deserves empathy. And, and I think, Anybody who's speaking out about something that's so deeply personal as having anxiety about, you know, speaking in public, that's something we can all relate to, or at least I think hopefully most people have. Most people who are good public speakers didn't start out being good, good public speakers. No, no, God, Everybody no. started out having to get up in front of their class and give a, uh, you know, a Terrified speech on something fucking, yeah, and presentation. wishing they could just fucking leave their body and float through the ceiling. <laughs> so, right. yeah, in that alone, you should have empathy. Um but I'm still like that, that when I have to give a present, a public like presentation of any kind, oh, yeah. like yeah. speech or anything. But yeah, uh, yeah. It, but the the very, it's not that she doesn't want to answer questions to the media. She just doesn't want to have to do it in person for this spectacle, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if they right. can't accommodate that, if it really is just about putting her out there to perform um, for this press corps, like that's that she's if she's willing to to give up her whole career rather than face that. These reporters need to take take a, a big look at themselves. Right, absolutely. All right, well, uh, I think that about it does it for us this week. Um, if you want to support the show, you can rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on SoundCloud, SoundCloud.com/slash/MoveLeft. 
uh, facebook.com slash move left idiots uh, we have a patreon at patreon.com slash move left merch available at tinyurl.com slash move left pod I am on twitter at move underscore left uh, and I'm on twitter at bikeslide 